Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 105 on March 8th, 2022. In this episode, I chat with Jamil Sheikh, a trailblazer in finance and technology with over 25 years of leadership, strategy, technology, finance, trading, and entrepreneurship experience and receipts. Jamil is founder and CEO of Instament, a B2B NFT minting API platform, which is his primary focus. He is also founder of Chainhouse, a blockchain and DeFi advisory and education company, operator of Blockchain 101, which is an online blockchain education portal, the founder of the Central Bank Digital Currency Think Tank, which consists of central bankers, bankers, and academics. And he also runs the CBDC Insider. I invited him on to talk not only about Chainhouse, described as new finance for a new future, but also three of the most important topics in the blockchain space, regulation, data protection and security, and education. And we also discuss why black and brown communities are adopting crypto at higher rates than the larger population. I enjoyed this conversation and I know you will too, so stay tuned. Now, before we hop into the app, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Jamil Sheikh to the show. He is a Web3 metaverse entrepreneur, founder, author of Mastering Corda, speaker, professor, coder, trader and has an extensive and impressive background with over 25 years of leadership, strategy, technology, finance, trading, and entrepreneurship experience. I invited him on to talk about his work at Chainhouse, a new project, Instament, and the past, present, and future of crypto education and regulation, both topics that are near and dear to my heart, of course. We will talk about all of that and more in a moment, but first, Jamil, welcome. Thank you, uh, Professor Evans. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I am so inspired. We're just getting to know each other for the first time, but I feel like I know so much about your work and your commitment to the space and to education. And so that's one of many reasons I took the opportunity to message you and see if we can get together and have this conversation. So I feel that this is personally wonderful for me, and I'm excited to share it with my listeners, to be sure. There will be some who don't know about you and your work. And I'm interested, too, in your origin story that led to (laughs) this wild, wonderful world of crypto assets, blockchain technology, your rabbit hole moment, and what led you to be so committed and passionate about the space? Yeah, sure. Um, So I first started dabbling with Bitcoin in 2012. I was mining 
on my laptop. It's just a very curious exercise saying, hey, what is this thing? And uh, then gave it a break for a few years after that. Um, And then I saw blockchain appear on the cover of, I believe it was Bloomberg magazine. And that fact that the New York Stock Exchange was implementing blockchain. And I was like, what is is this? And I think that was around uh, late 2016. uh, And I started to kind of began to start to explore. Um, But the amount of information that was in the market on the web was very, very limited. uh, And I wasn't really getting a really deep understanding that a kind of understanding that I really wanted. And so then late 2017, I started a community. Uh, it's a meetup group in New York City, uh, which still exists. It grew very, very rapidly. Today, we're about 30,000 people in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. And I started doing classes, uh, started giving classes based on what I understood uh, around blockchain. Um, so early 2018, when there was, a, I think Bitcoin was at 20,000, there was just a a fervor mm-hmm. in understanding, trying to understand what blockchain, uh, what Bitcoin was, and what blockchain is. So I delivered a class, um, and you know it was packed. We had people in the lobby also trying to come in, but it could not. And I realized that this is something different. Uh, I had gone through the dot com phase. I was, I did work at a dot com, uh, but the kind of passion that I saw in the space was very, very different and very unique, for better or for worse. Right. So um, I did see that. Um, and then things started to open up. I started teaching mainly because I needed to learn. Uh, and the best way for mm-hmm. me to learn is to teach because when you go do teach, you do really need to know your material. You do have to put deadlines on your your studying. There's an enormous amount of pressure to make sure that when you do speak, you're not really misguiding the students or giving them wrong information. And then at the same time, the students will ask you all these great questions, which a lot of it you've never even thought about. Uh, and then you end up saying, yes. <laughs> you don't know still, uh, but then uh, it will allow me to go home and then kind of read up and say, oh, well, that was a great question. I didn't have the answer to that. Let me, uh, so it, it helped fill gaps in my understanding. Uh, so that became really, I really enjoyed teaching when I would get up in front of a classroom, my adrenaline would shoot up, uh, be very excited. Most of my classes, people will get up and they will applaud afterwards, which is usually a surprise for me. Mm. Um, so I try to really convey the core value proposition of the different things that are happening in the blockchain slash crypto space. Um, and, that's it. and then I started a company called Chainhouse uh, and things started opening up. Uh, I started to write. I love writing. I wrote a book called Mastering Corda for O'Reilly. And now I'm writing another book for Columbia Press on DeFi. Mm. Um, Mastering Corda was a technical book. And now I'm writing kind of a business reader uh, for people that are mm-hmm. not familiar with the DeFi world and how does it work. I bought blockchain101.com, launched that. Um, and that that's a very popular site. It's getting millions of hits. And uh, then other organizations started to ask me to come and, come and teach. Columbia Business School, NYU, uh, CUNY, to teach graduate level stuff there related to blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. And started doing bigger, bigger events uh, because of the meetup group. So it opened up all these opportunities. Um, I started doing all these events and meeting all these great people. Uh, and now uh, I'm focused on one specific product. This is the first time I have a product. Uh, it's called Instamint, which is a B2B API mm-hmm. for NFTs. Here, the NFT represents any financial asset. Uh, and it's targeting enterprises. So if you want to mint an, mm. an, an invoice uh, and you don't want to hire a smart contract developer, you can use our APIs. So we just finished raising about 350K in seed. It was two weeks ago. We're raising about another 200 over the next month. Uh, and we're kind of off the, to the races there. 
I launched in the beginning of last year a CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency Think Tank, and we started engaging mm-hmm. with many different central banks. We're advising central banks on how to position themselves. Uh, at the end of the day, there's this whole philosophical uh, hate for some of these central banks, but we don't. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, it's not their fault. They fell into whatever they fell into. Uh, it's more more about let's work together and let's educate each other and, and let's build a better world. And that really comes through mm-hmm. through sharing information um, and t- treating each other with respect. And and that's that's kind of uh, taken off as well. And uh, I joined uh, on a board. I was invited to be on a board of uh, an organization called the Society of Women Coders, uh, where uh, mm-hmm. that organization goes to very difficult places. Uh, um, mm-hmm. like um, Afghanistan, Haiti, uh, and teach uh, young girls how to uh, empower themselves and how to take control of their life and be a little bit more independent through technology skills um, and not mm-hmm. you know, necessarily depend on somebody, uh, make their own way. Um, and so I'm very passionate about that. Um, and I will later this year being, be more involved with HBCU organizations to do a lot more teaching, probably in Atlanta. So this is really passionate. My commitment is don't worry about the expenses. I'll take care of it. Just, you know, let me go in and get in front of these students. Give me the minds and uh, I'll show them what the future might look like. I'm really excited about all of those areas. I was jotting down some notes because the first part of what you said, particularly the way you've leveraged technology to focus non-fungible token standards on, if I understand correctly, other ways to access utility above and beyond creativity and collectibles. Um, right. I, in 2018, I published an article, Crypto Kitties, Cryptography and Copyright. And it wasn't to highlight Crypto Kitties per se, but to really get underneath the hood uh-huh. to understand what the power and promise might look like beyond um, the speculation in the creative and collectible space. And I'm an IP lawyer by training. So all right. of those things were interesting about how to leverage intellectual property on top of open source platforms. I was starting to hear from people to even ask those questions. But yeah. you are tapping into what I find to be really, really interesting is how do you utilize non-fungible token standards to represent unique access to and control in some form or fashion in other spaces. So talk to us more about Instamint, and then I want to get to the CBDC thing that you mentioned as well. Sure. So Instamint focuses on uh, enterprises. Uh, So enterprise issues, another enterprise, an invoice, that could be an NFT. So all of the financial functions uh, that are available in the traditional markets, we see that being reinterpreted in the blockchain space as NFTs, not immediately, but probably within the next 10 years. So our view is Mm -hmm. within the next 10 years, all B2B interaction, value interaction between enterprises will be NFT based. And I view, I have a broader view of the notion of collectibles. I think everything is a collectible for somebody, right? So uh, when right. you are, are, yeah, when you have a financial portfolio, you have assets and you have stocks and bonds. That's a collectible, right? A portfolio is a collectible, and uh, when you throw garbage out, somebody's collecting it, right? So uh, it's taken somewhere mm. and it's being co- collected, right? So collections, uh, and I know that when we say collectible, it means a specific thing, but we look right. at it as holding things that you value uh, and you want to keep and possibly demonstrate to others. Potentially, um, I, you know, when I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. I still have them. I got ten thousand baseball cards. I collected comic books. Right. Still have them. So coming from that collectible world, but then when I got into finance, well, I'm buying a stock. 
that is also a, a collectible. So we see NFTs are just really tokens with uh, the way I look at tokens. I, I apply information theory to tokens. I look at tokens as having components in them where some information is modifiable and some information is not. So if you look at a, mm. a fungible fungible token, the name of the fungible token cannot change. If it's die, then you can't. It's not going to be some other name. You can't transform it to some other mm. name. Its value is fungible, but its name is not uh, mergeable or, or modifiable. Mm. So an NFT is really just a, a token that has information in it where a specific thing is not really uh, a modifiable, but it can be, for example, merged. So if I take two uh, non-fungible mm-hmm. tokens, I could potentially merge it into into a portfolio that is represented by another NFT, right? So it, there, mm. it, it, it's a little bit blurry, but uh, our view is that this is the beginning of NFTs. I, you look through history, technology disrupts, but then it's the it's the the creatives that move it into adoption, make it better adoption, better UX, better experience, better mm-hmm. options. Um, technology technologists themselves have difficulty with uh, driving adoption on their own uh, and require right. um, you know uh, these other other pieces. And then you have, I think, the need for regulation, and we're waiting for better regulation. And this has been going on for years, and it's going to continue. Uh, a more clearer picture around can we sell an NFT and, and get paid through uh, purely decentralized stablecoin like DAI? And mm-hmm. is it okay? That's, you know, other implications to that? Do we pay taxes on that? Do we not get all that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's all co- important components. Uh, but uh, the future is going to be based on tokens. It's just tokens and NFTs is by default the most prominent way of looking at the world. Everything in nature is an NFT, a fingerprint, a snowflake. Uh, you know, animal, a tree, everything is unique, a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the, the mm-hmm. exception is the fungibility. It's really, really interesting because it, I've done some work and some research in the area of leveraging NFTs for identity and credentialing, which is important yeah. to be sure. And to even go beyond that, I absolutely imagine the world that you described. And I think that it's not an, a matter of if, but when you raise an interesting and important, not just interesting, but it, important and essential point around regulation and the regulatory issues where the great majority of people who want to do the right thing need to understand the rules in order to engage in the game. I'm a former professional athlete, so just give me a good set of rules and I can color in the side of the lines uh, for Uh sure. But that leads me to some of the work, really, really important work that you've done to kind of bridge the divide between CFI or centralized finance or TradFi, whatever we're going to call it, traditional finance and the decentralized finance or DeFi space. So talk about why it's important to connect legacy systems to the systems of the future and indeed today. Yeah, sure. I think there's a lot that we can we can learn from the legacy world. And, and that world is not fully legacy yet. Uh, we st- still use fiat money everywhere. Uh, we actually may not want to admit it, but we trust it. You know, I trust mm-hmm. the dollar there are problems with it, but I, I trust the dollar. But the world is changing. So, for example, we we have this. I run this CBDC think tank, uh, and uh, I will be giving a talk. We, we are holding a workshop for bankers, central bankers. We've got about seventy banks coming in, um, and uh, I'm giving a talk on an introduction to DeFi and how automated market makers work. Right, and there's great interest in that. They want to learn and understand how this works, and so there's this kind of cross pollination that's occurring. At the same time, they're they're talking to me about 
what their concerns are if, you know, um, regarding wallets and, you know, somebody has die in their wallet and they lose their wallet. Do they just lose their life savings? All that, all, all these kind of questions. These are all very valid questions. Uh, what kind of mm-hmm. recourse do you have? If somebody gets hurt, uh, financially hurt. How can you sue somebody? And these are things that are necessary in civil society to be able, if you get harmed, to, to do something about it uh, and not just deal mm-hmm. with it and walk away with it. Um, so uh, they're, they're asking these great questions. Uh, and so we're trying to uh, share that information uh, both ways. Right? Uh, and there's a lot to learn. If you look at the Boston Federal Reserve, um, just came out two weeks ago with the MIT, with MIT. They came out with a new platform called mm-hmm. OpenCBDC, which is a hybrid of um, centralized components and some decentralized ideas. By and large, it's centralized, but they're borrowing and using a lot of what's being uh, out in the market with Bitcoin infrastructure. Uh, actually, some of the people that are mm-hmm. in the, in that team that's building it have uh, a Bitcoin pedigree. So um, mm-hmm. it's it's all kind of blending in. Uh, and I think uh, to have a very polarized view is probably not very helpful. At the end of the day, uh, a lot of these central bankers, these banks have been existed for hundreds of years in certain countries. And it's the way we grew up and understood how the world works. And so they, they're continuing that. And so how do we educate each other? Uh, I don't like to say educate them, I say educate each other around how we can mm-hmm. uh, move the needle forward and build a better a better. Uh, society where there is a lot more control by the individual for, of their data, their privacy, and all of that. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first... A word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi, and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or podcast college, and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little if any forward progress, I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to vet, buy, store, trade, earn, and sell cryptocurrencies, engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, Create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs and network with other crypto-curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment. 
You'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and to win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation. Of the three topics I'm asked about most, well, let me tell you the three and then then we can unpack it from there. Obviously, regulation and that... Uh spans the the gamut from the Securities and Exchange Commission, the CFTC, Treasury, and that's just in the United States. We talk about this in the United States, but this is global technology, so all sorts of international issues and concerns. Most recently, there's been a dramatic uptick in focus on data protection and security, ransomware issues. Also, in addition to teaching blockchain crypto and the law, teaching information privacy law, for example, and what that is going to look like with the ever-increasing pace of technological innovation to circumvent some of the protections that are already in place. And then the third is education. Since we've talked a little bit about regs already, and, and I invite you to say whatever you care to, but I, in particular over these last month with data protection and security issues in the NFT space, to be sure, mm-hmm. and education writ large about how to bridge the divide between fringe adoption and mainstream adoption. So I'm wondering your thoughts about those two areas in particular. Yeah, I mean, like I remember uh, when I was, I started coding when I was very young, I was probably 12, 13 years old. And um, Mm. I asked my mom one day uh, and my dad one day, can we buy a modem, right? And uh, at that time, modem speeds were, I think it was, 1200 baud, <laughs> right? Um, and, mm. uh, and 96 was like, wow, 9600 baud. So I, I you know, I wanted to get, I think it was a 14.4K modem. I remember it uh, distinctly. And my dad was scared. My mom, they were scared. They're like, well, if you get a modem, aren't you going to download a virus onto your computer? You know, and they had, they didn't understand it. They were educated. Um, my mom was a, was an educator. And so uh, I, I think about that and say, well, here are people that, can't understand the pros and cons of something, but there's this inherent fear. Um, and mm-hmm. we see the same thing in the crypto space and all of that. And it's really our fault. It's the fault of the crypto people, uh, if there is mm-hmm. such a term, that are not really mm-hmm. doing the right uh, level of education. Our user experience is horrible. Uh, if you want to learn about crypto, where do you go? Do you go to Coinbase? Do you go to, like, they have FAQs and all that content. Where do you go to really learn? Right about this stuff. And I think uh, until that really grows and it's growing and there's a lot that's happening in a good way, uh, then I think we're mm-hmm. not going to see the ma- mass adoption. Uh, for me to go to a website and connect using MetaMask is the major friction point, right? There's not a lot of people that are going to be willing to do that. Um, I have two daughters right. and a single, single dad. And um, I taught my two daughters, they're 15 and 17, how to use MetaMask. They're Python coders and things like mm-hmm. that. But when they go to their class, when they, with their classmates and they say, hey, have you heard of MetaMask? They, nobody knows, right? And even in the younger right. generation, no, nobody knows. And you would expect them to know. They may have heard of it. Oh, yeah, I've heard of something. I've heard of wallets. Uh, but do kids have wallets? Uh, and schools should be teaching kids how to be careful uh, and create a wallet and maintain a wallet and maintain maintain the, that private key and all of that kind of stuff. They should be learning mm-hmm. how to do that. Uh, and until I think until we see that, we're not going to see this mass adoption come along. 
uh, we'll see, unfortunately, certain segment of society uh, adopt and other segments of society not get that adoption uh, because, number one, they can't even get laptops, right? And so uh, right. never, mind, never mind even getting to, to, to wallets. So I think that this is going to take time. Uh, and I'm part of doing what little I can to help change this. Uh, and hopefully the crypto community can s start to like really focus on this uh, more and more. And I think we are, as a community, becoming more and more mature and sophisticated around education um, and how to, you know, speak to the policymakers around these kinds of things. But we're still, it's like, you know, the top of the, the first inning right now. Absolutely. When I think about, we're recording this in a time where we're in February. So um, for those who are listening around the world, this is Black History Month in the United States. And I was reading some statistics about the adoption in Black communities in particular, but Black and Brown communities throughout the diaspora adopting crypto at more accelerated rates in comparison to other populations. And I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I did a short medium piece at the beginning of last year that compared cypherpunk principles to Kwanzaa principles. And there was a really interesting overlap when you think about collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, um, mm -hmm. self-determination, and a lot of that ethos and spirit is captured in cypherpunk principles as well. So that I always believe that there are more commonalities than distinctions, but it is interesting to see that folks who have been systemically marginalized, when you think about finance and the area of technology, you mentioned um, siliconvalley.com uh, a bit earlier, why do you think this is the right time for systemically marginalized populations to take a closer look at crypto assets and, and even just building and, and not just buying, you know, investing, but, but also building in the space as well? Yeah, I mean, um, I saw that data that you were mentioning regarding adoption. That's good news, but I think it's incomplete in terms of the picture that's presented. Uh, opening a wallet might be a, 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 the metric that's used, but that's insufficient. Mm. I think we, we need more we need more entrepreneurs, right? So uh, we need more people, and and the main reason is that this is going to be a new form of wealth creation, right? And so right. Th these things come don't come along very often, uh, and we are in the mid midst of potentially a new way to create wealth where you don't even need to have wealth to do that, right? You don't need to have right. family wealth to be able to invest and get involved. Um, and there are a lot of people sitting on the sidelines that used to and frozen out because they're like, well, how do I get started? And do I need a, a $100,000 to come in and get started? Uh, and the space is so dynamic and, and changing so fast that Three years ago, the winners in the blockchain space, nobody's talking about them. So there's all this massive amount of creative destruction. Uh, and it's an opportunity mm -hmm. for a lot of people that are marginalized to come in and start to, to shape this, this industry. It's, the opportunity is massive, right? Um, right. And uh, it's probably going to be once in a lifetime for a lot of people. Uh, I don't see another massive uh, disruption like this um, down the road, right? So AI is one thing, uh, but this is very, very different. Um, it, with AI, there's an, uh, you, there's a lot that you need to understand. Uh, and there's uh, uh, if there's creativity in AI, there, there's it's, it's it's an algorithm which requires deep mathematical understanding, things like that. 
people are building mm-hmm. pro- great products with AI, but the crypto space offers it something very, very new. There's an enormous amount of money out there uh, that is uh, available to people that have great ideas that are willing to commit uh, and deliver on products. Um, so I'm very much focused on entrepreneurship uh, and want to see more of our communities come in uh, and build things and then uh, give back and hire within these communities. Right. Um, and I think that's going to be a very difficult challenge because if you go to any crypto website, um, you will not see a, a face of a marginalized person there. You, right. You'll see certain segments, mostly photos of certain segments there all the time. And I've tracked that, you know, I hit refresh every right. day and the same photos or different photos. And they're all predominantly the same kind of people. Uh, and that mm-hmm. uh, kind, of, it kind of angers me. I get really upset. But um, mm-hmm. the best way to deal with that ha- anger is to solve the problem. Uh, and I think education is, is key. Uh, so crypto is a unique opportunity. I want to get everybody um, that can get, get getting involved in some capacity. You can have no money. And then within two years, you could do you can be really well off and very independent. And that's hard to do now uh, in technology overall. But there's not a lot of innovation left in technology, like cloud computing, all that's kind of gobbled up. Right. But uh, the crypto space is, is just brand new. Right. We saw the resurgence of the QR code. I thought that was dead and gone and it's come back. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you're right. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was restaurants I, I, in the Super Bowl. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I always loved the QR code. I didn't understand why it would go away. Right. Uh, um, yeah, but, it, 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 you know, it's, um, it, you know, like it, it, th- these are new things uh, being, I mean, these are old things being reinvented as new with new applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know, COVID has accelerated the adoption of um, uh, of cryptos, uh, but it's not accelerated the inclusion and diversity uh, and in some ways. Mm. And I, I don't have the data, but this is based on my interaction with lots of people that um, the uh, certain communities have not benefited from that uh, accelerated adoption. Absolutely. Well, I know that as long as you're on the case and I am on the case, we have a fighting chance. The work continues. And so I'm so grateful to be on this journey with folks like you who are so invested in making sure that we are leaving this planet and each other better than we found it, to be sure. Your final thoughts on where we're going. When we sit down next year and we're having this conversation, because I think I entered the space late 2017. It was the initial coin offering boom and bust. I was writing about NFTs, but nobody seemed to understand why. We cycle through DeFi and DeFi is here to stay, presumably NFTs and and definitely here to stay. Anything else on the horizon that you see that people should be paying attention to in the space? I think DAOs are are a big deal. DAOs are decentralized autonomous organizations. You can think think of them as virtual uh, organizations or virtual companies or virtual nonprofits that they, they exist on a blockchain. That space is rapidly changing and rapidly growing. There are mm-hmm. massive regulatory implications around it. There's a lot of work to be done around that. But I, th- I think in a year from now, um, there there's going to be this continued explosion of the number of DAOs that come to market and all kinds of interesting and creative new ways of governance and managing projects and managing companies and managing, you know, like, you know, as you know, these companies, for example, banks, they set up LLCs just to park assets there. And so they're setting up dozens of LLCs every day, maybe more than that. Um, And that can all shift to DAOs. Uh, So I can have a personal DAO, 
you know, you know, and that's maybe doing things for me. Uh, and then I think we'll see the convergence mm -hmm. of AI, right? There's more and more convergence of AI, um, and that will probably be what the metaverse will look like. So this kind of convergence of all three, the crypto, blockchain, and AI, um, the VR stuff. I think that's really where we're headed. And it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, fundamentally, it's about community. Because uh, when I go to a theater uh, and watch a movie, I love to sit with other people, even mm -hmm. though I don't know them. I want to yes. have that sh shared experience. I'm having popcorn and they're having popcorn. It feels good. It feels like I'm part of something. And that will carry into the metaverse. And even though the experience right now is not super, uh, it will continue to grow and grow. And I think we'll have DAOs and communities um, be a big part of the human experience. Excellent. From your lips to uh, Satoshi's ears, um, I look forward to coming back in a year and continuing the conversation and certainly seeing you on crypto Twitter. And anytime you need anything in the education space, please consider me one of the fans that is very invested in, in building around education as well. Uh, education uh -huh. is something you can't take away from people. And so let's continue that to make sure that everyone is included at this next innovative push to Web3. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you know, um, we have to work together. People have to work more and more together. So um, it's great to hear that. Uh, and you and I, I think I know about you, you know about me, and this is really the first time we've met. I do, I do love you and the work that you're doing, and I hope we can we can find ways to, to work together. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Please share how, I will include it in the show notes, but please share how folks can get to know more about you, your projects, and your work. Sure. Like I've listed my stuff on uh, a website. It's jamil.io. So just go to that website. It's not a .com, but it's a .io. Um, and the work that I'm doing there is there. If you would like to be involved in anything in any capacity, please, my contact information is there. Uh, please reach out to me. Perfect. Jamil Sheikh, thank you so much. And I look forward to the next opportunity. Thank you so much. Wow. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and collected every last gem that Jamil shared about new finance for a new future and his insight on some of the most important topics in the distributed ledger technology and crypto asset space, regulation, data protection and security, and of course, education. Definitely check out all that Chainhouse has to offer and make a plan and then start preparing for your financial future today. Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.